The following is a co-production of Belmont Council on Aging and the Belmont Media Center. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Talking News, stories from the Belmont Citizen Herald, read by volunteers from the Beach Street Center. This week, our readers are Max, Thomas, and Claire, reporting on news and events in Belmont. And now on with the show, and I turn it over to Max. Thank you, Bob. Cardboard drop-off fee could be coming to Belmont, just not now, by Franklin B. Tucker. Will Belmont residents have to pay to get rid of the glut of cardboard coming their way this holiday? That was the suggestion from the Department of Public Works as it came before the Select Board on Monday, November 9th, to discuss setting dates for the annual holiday season collection of cardboard by the town's Department of Public Works. Saying the subject of cardboard produces the largest number of calls to his department, DPW Director Jay Marcotte said the town is scheduling a handful of cardboard events in the next few months to collect the excessive amount of corrugated material many residents collect, especially during the holiday season. Cardboard drop-offs are a relatively new event. Starting after the introduction of automated trash pickup in 2018, when residents discovered they, quote, had no space in their new recycling bin, unquote, to place the excessive amount of cardboard they were accumulating, said Marcotte. And if past events are the norm, Public Works is expecting upward of 300 vehicles jam-packed with cardboard along Waverly Street and C Street attempting to enter the DPW yard originally scheduled for Saturday, December 5th. But as Select Board Chair Roy Epstein said during Marcotte's presentation before the board, there is a, quote, new wrinkle to upcoming events, a fee. The call for a pay-as-you-throw scheme for cardboard stems from this spring when the town froze overtime spending due to the reduction of town revenues associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. Marcotte said cardboard can't stack itself can stack itself in the five truck-sized containers ready to be filled. The DPW needs a crew. Quote, we usually have one foreman with three to four workers along with one of the administrative assistants working between five to eight hours, unquote, he said. Add to that expense the likely need for a police detail. Yes, cardboard drop-off is like holding a rock concert in Belmont due to the unexpected overflow of participants for the upcoming event. I'm anticipating that, that a high number for this event because we did not have any drop-offs during the spring. Usually by now we would have had two to three events, said Marcotte. After speaking with the town's health department, the DPW will need additional staff to take down contact tracing information due to the pandemic. By the end of the day, such an event is expected to cost the DPW up to $2,400 for a Saturday event running from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. <clears throat> Without overtime, quote, this will have to be a self-sustaining event, said Epstein. The cardboard will bring in $400, so the net expense to the town will be in the order of $2,000. A quick back-of-the-envelope calculation came out to approximately $8 to $9 per person. The initial plan was for residents wanting to drop off cardboard to head over to the Recreation Department page on the town's website to sign up with their contact info and prepay the fee 
as the event will be cash free due to COVID-19 and just the ease of making everyone pay online. That will probably be the biggest hurdle, getting the documentation, said Marcotte. But the fee proposal quickly earned pushback from board member Tom Caputo. Quote, I get the principle when it relates to overtime, but I also wonder if we are creating a great deal of resident frustration, he said. By forcing the public to pony up for a previously free service on top of requiring them to use a new payment system in the knowledge that many will show up not having paid the new fee is going to generate a great deal of ill will. A compromise, suggested Caputo, would be to hold the event on a weekday, thus taking overtime out of the equation, a solution fellow board member Adam Dash was amenable to try. The whole cost of $2,352 is such small money that you're going to get $2,300 worth of trouble charging five to $10 for this, said Dash, saying many residents will note the town passed an override a quarter of a century ago to establish free curbside pickup. I'm not happy taking $2,000 away from something else for a repeated event we'll have to do two to three more times. That's $6,000, said uh, Epstein. And a weekday solution would create its own issues, said Epstein, with long lines of vehicles likely to impede traffic on a busy roadway, annoy the neighbors, and clogging up the town yard during a busy workday. While proposals such as drop-offs on consecutive Friday and Saturday, one paid and the other free, were bandered about, Marcotte told the board his department simply could not conduct the service. If we don't charge, I don't have a budget for it. While Caputo said he understood Marcotte's frustration, we'll quote, we'll have to be creative in how we enable this. Can we try drop-offs a couple of times during the week and see how that works? It was town administrator Patrice Garvin who broke the logjam by injecting, I think it's worth at least a try, followed by Marcotte saying, I'm open to that. Garvin added a caveat of significant outreach to residents along Waverly and C Streets on the time span and traffic mitigation for the event now set for the week of December 1st. We'll figure it out, said Garvin. Now over to Thomas. Thank you, Max. The following is a letter to the editor. Thank you, Jeff Hansel, Belmont Media staff. We are writing to express our profound appreciation for Jeff Hansel and the staff of the Belmont Media Center. If this were a typical year, Beth L. Temple Center would have hosted hundreds of people in our building for the Jewish High Holy Days in September. But like so many religious institutions of every denomination, in order to protect the health of our congregation and the greater community, Months ago, we decided that we could only hold our Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur services online this year. Since these are some of our most involved services of the year, we also realized that we might need some help managing the technical aspects. We turned to a trusted institution in our community, the Belmont Media Center, and specifically to its wonderful director, Jeff Hansel. As some of you already may have experienced, Throughout the extended preparation process and during the services themselves, Jeff and his staff were patient, kind, supportive, and very generous with their time and expertise. They enabled us to celebrate the holiest days of our year with as much grace, warmth, meaning, and connection as is possible in these strange times. We are in their debt 
and deeply grateful for their devotion to supporting a wide variety of institutions and programs all over Belmont. How fortunate we are to have such a precious resource in our community. We were also touched to receive a note from Jeff saying that after listening to Rabbi Krause's Rosh Hashanah sermon about finding the courage to face racial inequality, Jeff was moved to donate the BMC's production services to Bethel. In his note, Jeff wrote, quote, now is the time to support our local organizations, end quote. We feel the same and have decided to support Jeff's work and the BMC's larger mission by making donations both to the Belmont Media Center and to Belmont Against Racism in honor of the BMC. These trying divisive times, we feel it's important to recognize this example of community members and community organizations strengthening and supporting each other. Our thanks to Jeff and the whole crew at BMC for supporting Bethel Temple Center during the high holidays and supporting the Belmont community every day of the year. Signed, Abby Fisher, President, Rabbi Jonathan Kraus, Abby Klingbeil, Vice President of Communications, and Jeff Schiller, Chair of the Ritual Committee, all of the Bethel Temple Center. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Thomas. The rink sinks. It's a new skating facility proposal and it was not economically viable by Franklin B. Tucker. On the day the town opened the 40 year old plus Verglirillo skating rink for the season, the select board heard that a long sought after replacement for the current dilapidated facility came to a close after the only candidate to reply to the ambitious proposal could not make the project financially feasible. I wish I had better news to report, said Tom Caputo, who was the select board's liaison to the town's effort to create a one and a half ice sheet rink to the west of the current facility known as the skip. But the consensus of the group of town and school officials who worked on this is we don't have an economically viable public-private partnership at this point, said Caputo during the board's ultra marathon of a meeting, four hours and 26 minutes, held on November 9. This comes as recreation department personnel who run the rink state that it is only a matter of time before a catastrophic mechanical failure involving pipes and compresses, some original underground equipment from the 1970s that are no longer being manufactured, will require the facility to be closed for good. It's running. That's the key every year. We just hope it gets up and going, said Recreation Director, Assistant Town Administrator John Marshall. But in the near future, we're not going to be so lucky. That's the challenge, said Marshall. First proposed in September 2015, a long sought after new rink was envisioned to be private-public partnership in which the school department would lease a portion of its land west of Harris Field to a private developer rink manager at no cost for at least 25 years. In exchange, the Belmont High ice hockey teams would practice and hold games for free, as well as allow for free 
recreational skating while the rink manager would rent the space to hockey leagues and private functions. A detailed request for proposal was developed with input from the school committee and district, the town and neighbors during at times laborious negotiations. While there was some interest in the proposal, only one team headed by Belmont Youth Hockey put their hat in the ring to move to more substantial discussions with the town, a tall order that failed. According to Caputo, what doomed the talks directed at replacing the ancient rink was how the RFP was pretty highly constrained to the developer. Not only was the town seeking for them to fund construct and operate a multi-sheet facility, it required more than 100 parking spaces that would be linked to the high school and construct three high school playing and practice fields while provo providing aforementioned free playing and game time for varsity and junior varsity teams. While the two sides negotiated over the summer and resolved many conflicts facing the proposal, at the end of the day, the youth hockey team could not make their proposal work financially. It had to meet the space requirements in the RFP, especially the parking component, as well as providing a large chunk of no cost ice time to the school department. Select board member Adam Dash said that many of the required changes needed in the RFP to spark interest from a private developer would be no-goes on the town side as the RFP required a great deal of negotiations with the school district and residents. Dash also derided any thoughts of refurbishing the skip, describing it as a disaster. What would it cost to build a one sheet of ice rink? God knows when we could get the money to do it, said Dash. This one is gonna die probably before we can get there. It's not a good situation. Now, over to Max. Thank you, Claire. What's the risk to your identity in Belmont? Find out if you're living in a hot spot for ID fraud from moneywise.com. Identity theft is a sad fact of life in America and threatens you when you shop online, reply to emails, use Wi-Fi outside your home, or in your home, and even take out your garbage. The potential threat to your savings is growing. The Federal Trade Commission reports ID theft complaints jumped about 20% in 2018 and were responsible for a big chunk of the nearly $1.5 billion that Americans say they lost to fraud last year. As with other types of crime, your risk of becoming an identity theft victim depends on your location. In some states and cities, identity thieves are far more likely to prey on a person's good name than in others. What about where you live? Well, out of nearly 400 of the largest US metro areas, the Boston, Cambridge, Newton metropolitan area ranks 129th for identity theft, according to the FTC. During, the, during 2018, residents of this statistical area, which includes Belmont, went to the authorities with 4,878 cases of stolen identities, which works out to about 102 ID theft complaints for every 100,000 residents. Meanwhile, Massachusetts is the number 29 state for identity theft, the government says. 
In 2018, there were 93 ID theft reports for every 100,000 residents of Massachusetts and 6,387 identity theft complaints overall. People in Massachusetts last year reported losing $19,506,144 to all categories of fraud, including identity theft, and the median loss, meaning half of the victims lost more, half lost less, was $351. Nationwide, identity theft often involves credit card fraud, which is one reason it's so important to get your hands on your credit reports every year and look through them for suspicious activities. The Federal Trade Commission says 2018 saw a 24% jump in fraudulent new credit card accounts when ID thieves used another com consumer's personal information to open credit cards that are used to buy goods and services the scammers never intend to pay for. Here are a few other important tips for keeping your identity safe. Don't carry your social security card in your wallet and never give out your social security number or other sensitive personal information, including your birth date, bank account, and credit card numbers, just because someone asks. Always review the monthly statements for your bank account and your credit cards and be on the lookout for any transactions you didn't make. If you receive paper statements, be sure to shred those as well as any credit card offers or other documents that might be valuable fines for identity thieves rummaging through your trash. Whenever you're on a public Wi-Fi network, be sure to use a virtual private network or VPN and make sure it's a reputable one, which will give you a layer of security. Change your passwords periodically and use complicated ones that an identity thief would never guess. Did you know, according to a survey, it, we have found that 17% of people were still using 123456 as a password in 2016? Come on. Take advantage of free credit freezes available from the major credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. Freezing your credit files makes it impossible for an identity thief to open new accounts in your name. Whenever you want to apply for new credit, you can unfreeze your file. That's also free. And now over to Thomas. Thank you, Max. And now for a different sort of protection, flu shots, where to get them in Belmont. The weather is cooling down and the kids are back in school, bringing a perfect germ concoction into the house. Stay a few steps ahead of the flu and get to know the vaccine locations here in Belmont. The following are offering the shot. The CVS Pharmacy at 60 Leonard Street, with hours from 7 in the morning to 10 at night. The CVS Pharmacy at 264 Trapello Road, again open from 7 in the morning to 10 at night. And the Star Market at 535 Trapello Road, open weekdays from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and weekends from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. While there isn't an official start or end to flu season, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommend people get vaccinated by the end of October. The agency also has a special message for the younger kids, quote, children six months through eight years of age who need two doses should receive their first dose as soon as possible after the vaccine becomes available to allow the second dose to be received by the end of October, according to the CDC's official page. 
Influenza, commonly called the flu, is a highly contagious respiratory disease that can lead to serious illness, hospitalization, or even death. Typical flu symptoms include fever, dry cough, sore throat, runny or stuffy nose, headache, muscle aches, and extreme fatigue. The CDC estimates that 48 million people were hit by the flu in the United States in 2017 to 2018. The disease accounted for a staggering 959,000 hospitalizations and 79,400 deaths during that time. To minimize your risk of contracting the flu, follow these three simple steps. Get a flu vaccine. It's the best way to fight the flu. Cover your nose and mouth with a tissue when you cough or sneeze and wash your hands often. And finally, take flu antiviral drugs if your doctor prescribes them. If you get the flu, antiviral drugs can be used to treat your illness. And now back to Claire. Thank you, Thomas. Police to participate in home-based no-shave campaign. The Belmont Police Department will participate in the home-based no-shave campaign in support of home-based, a Red Sox Foundation and Mass General Hospital program. Police officers from Belmont have pledged a $100 donation to either forego the traditional grooming policy and grow beards and mustaches, or wear a special home-based no-shave neck gaiter or face mask throughout the month of November. The support of police officers and others from across the nation helps home base provide clinical care at no cost to veterans and military families impacted by the invisible wounds. The movement is spearheaded by MBTA Transit Police and the Boston Gang Unit Detective, Kurt Power, a U.S. Army veteran and Purple Heart recipient who sought care for his own invisible wounds at home base. The only wish I have is that we give the gift of hope. Hope to all the veterans that don't believe reintegration is possible, Power said. Hope to the approximately 20 veterans a day that may give up tomorrow. If I can convince just one person who needs help to listen to me and put their trust in the treatment at home base, this will all be worth it. This month, first responders at Belmont Police Department will not only help raise money for a program that is changing the lives of veterans and their families, but to evoke conversation, raise awareness and break the stigma associated with getting care. I think the biggest part about this campaign is the demonstration of support by communities from across New England and the country, said Home Base Executive Director Brigadier Retired General Jack Hammond. It goes well beyond thank you for your service. It's something tangible people are doing to show them that they care. At Home Base, we offer some of the best care in the United States. So with all of these departments reaching out into these communities, they are bound to know someone who needs help and connect them to us. Every time they do that, they are saving a life. To date, the home-based no-shave campaign benefited 
benefiting home base has raised $800,000 and engaged more than 2,500 first responders and supporters from over 136 towns across the country. Belmont Police Department has a goal to make an impact and are asking community members, business owners, and family members to join the cause and donate to their page. To support Belmont Police Department's no-shave fundraising efforts, visit https-bit.ly-355avpc. For information about home-based no-shave list of participating departments, visit the same https bitly 355avpc Now over to Thomas. Max. Thank you, Claire. Yes, it is Max. Three companies got CARES Act contracts in Belmont. The bulk of the funding went to a Charleston company for research and development. The federal government has sent more than $500,000 to three companies for coronavirus relief efforts in Belmont since Congress passed the CARES Act in March. The bulk of the funding went to Dynamic Ideas, a Charleston-based publishing company that specializes in scientific and research books. Dynamic Ideas was given a $500,000 contract by the Department of Air Force for research and development in the physical engineering and life sciences, according to the Federal Procurement Data System. Novatio Engineering was another company who received a contract in Belmont from the Department of the Navy for miscellaneous electrical equipment and component manufacturing. McLean Hospital in Belmont also received a $12,866 contract from the National Institutes of Health for research and development in biotechnology. Congress passed the $2 trillion Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security, CARES, Act on March 27th. In addition to direct aid to people who lost their jobs and the Paycheck Protection Program to avoid laying off workers, the act included direct government spending for fighting the coronavirus. Patch has reached out to Dynamic Ideas for comment. Back to you, Thomas. Thank you, Max. McLean Hospital Fire Under Arson Investigation by Samantha Mercado. Belmont police and fire officials are asking for residents' help as they investigate an arson fire at McLean Hospital in Belmont on July 29th. The fire started in the administration building at 115 Mill Street just before 3 p.m. on July 29th. Officials said hospital staff were in the building at the time, but security staff were able to extinguish the fire quickly. Officials confirmed that the fire was intentionally set. Belmont police shared two photos taken from surveillance cameras of a man officials believe is connected to the fire. If anyone has any information, they should please call the Belmont Police Department at 617-993-2550 or the statewide arson hotline at 
The Arson Hotline is part of the Arson Watch Reward Program, which provides rewards of up to $5,000 for information that helps to solve the case. It is funded by the Property and Casualty Insurance Underwriting Companies of Massachusetts. The fire was jointly investigated by the Belmont Fire and Police Departments and state police assigned to the Office of the State Fire Marshal. And now back to Bob for the wrap up. Bob, you forgot to unmute. I wasn't, okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Thomas. We hope you enjoyed this week's Talking News. You can listen and watch Talking News on Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. on Channel 9 on Comcast and channel 29 on Verizon. You can also listen to the Talking News anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on iTunes or at belmontmedia.org forward slash podcasts. Tune in next week. I'm Bob Fellerman.